Welcome everyone to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. I'm Danny, one of the pastors here at Waypoint Church, and this is our bi-weekly podcast where we talk about all things going on in the life and ministry of Waypoint Church here in Durham, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And we have a very special episode today because I am joined by two uh, members of our congregation. And how this podcast came about is we had a missions weekend uh, a couple, about six weeks ago. And at that event on Saturday, we had some trainings and I had a training called Everyday Evangelism and we recorded it and it was just on an iPad and the recording was kind of bad and we didn't have the table discussion. So we thought, hey, why not have a podcast with uh, talking about what we learned? So I invited two of the uh, folks who were here and uh, yeah, so here we go. We're going to talk about Everyday Evangelism and... I'm going to introduce my guests, and I have Liz Clevenger, and hi, <laughs> and Dylan Childry. Hello, and uh, we're so glad to have them. And we're going to start off by I'm going to ask them to answer the icebreaker question, which is, "What is your favorite or one of your favorite movies?" Liz, so, you go first. Oh, yeah. Gosh, okay, I knew you were going to say that. Um, so I am a child of the '90s, so my favorite movies are definitely the Harry Potter series. I think um, because, I don't know, I just love that the character kind of wakes up to the world is different from what he thought it was. So stories like that really get me. Um, So yeah. Do you have a favorite in them? That's a good question. Of the eight, is Um, it eight movies? Seven? I think so. Seven Seven books, eight movies. Um, Probably the third one. Third third one. That's the correct answer. Yeah, thanks. Okay, well. So uh, I also really love the Harry Potter movies. Um, But I also just love musicals. even like more newer things like uh, The Greatest Showman um, or recently In the Heights just came out as uh, as a movie form. Uh, and so I just love singing and dancing, but I also love the character development of kind of that underdog's dreams coming true or um, just a, a whole community coming together and then doing a really awesome dance number is also so always a plus. Were you a high school <laughs> musical fan? Uh, of or? course I was. Okay. Now, let me ask you what La La Land I you, love it. You like it, even the way it ended? It doesn't end yeah, as sure. happy as... So, okay. yeah, I, I love it all. I'm also someone that is not, like, super in tune with feelings and emotions. So when you have these big numbers of, of song and dance and people crying, I'm just, like, eating it all up. Um, and it's helping me kind of process things that are happening okay. in my own life. So Dylan and Pastor Lawrence have in common that they <laughs> sometimes think of life as a musical and... Do, yes. you, do you just find yourself yes. randomly singing random songs? Yes. That come along? Recently, okay. it's been anything from Wicked. Oh, okay. Nice. Oh, well. I do sing random songs, too, but my songs are very random. My kids make fun of me, and I quote random movie quotes all the time. Uh, my f- And sometimes my kids say, Dad, you quote a quote that's not even, like, a famous quote. Like, no one quotes that. Why are you <laughs> quoting that? That's not even an important part of the movie. Uh, but my favorite movie for years was Rudy. I love college football, and I just love the story of Rudy. And uh, but then when the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out, that became my favorite movie. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I was definitely not. I was kind of after the Harry Potter phase. So I, I, you know, I watched them and it was enjoyable. But because I wasn't part of the, the just that, it, it I just it just doesn't give me the vibes that that so maybe Star Wars did or some of the others. But yeah, it's it's really good. And I'm glad my my kids love it. So. We are going to move on and talk about more about this everyday evangelism. So basically, I, I had this seminar 
and it was it's based on my own experience with evangelism it was also a chance for people to sit in tables and maybe groups of six to ten to talk and share and uh, but it was also influenced by a book i read by a australian uh man named michael frost and it's called surprise the world and he has these five habits of highly missional people it's a real short book it's actually in the waypoint library and we're going to talk about uh Frost's thoughts and and his perspective on some key passages on evangelism in the new testament but before we do that i wanted to just name some of the books as i was preparing for the seminar that i found either on my library that either people had given to me or i collected or books that uh we're on the, in the church library. And the first one I found is called The Secret of Soul Winning, which came out in the 60s. And this one, you know, I guess was really popular. And then there's another one called How to Give Your Faith Away that came out in like the 70s and was popular in the 80s. This one actually sold over a million copies. Then um, found another book called Uncommon Decency. And this is by Richard Mao, the president of Fuller Seminary, just saying that Christian civility in an uncivil world might be the way to sharing and reaching people. So it's like 70s, 80s, and then maybe 2010s. Book called Questioning Evangelism, which is a newer book, which I highly recommend. It's also on the church library. A book called God Space, which is going to be in the church library. I'm going to add it. These are written basically teaching you some questions on evangelism. Then I also found a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key which is written by Rosaria Butterfield, who actually is from Durham. So she, and she has kind of a different perspective. She thinks inviting people into your home, which might be similar to Frost. Then I found this book called Blue Light Jazz, which came out, I don't remember, maybe 20 years ago. You guys familiar with this one? I've That's heard of it. That's how I'm dating myself. So the, when this came out, it was like- That this, one's a little edgy. This guy who grew up in Texas and he moved to like Portland for college. And he was just like, how do I share? Like, it's just a memoir, but it kind of, it, it forced people to think like, wow, non-Christian, there are parts of America that you have to think about evangelism differently. So that one came out. Then there's another book, Who's My Neighbor? Uh, Wayne Gordon, that just I found on the church library. Then I, then I noticed like Reason for God and Making Sense of God by Tim Keller, which are kind of newer versions of mere Christianity where it, instead of thinking about evangelism, it's more like how to help people answer the questions that they have. And there's a newer book called Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin, who, which has a similar vibe, even answering questions that are present now for people you know, that might be in your community that even Reason for God or Tim Keller didn't address 10, 12 years ago when he was writing his books. So there's just a lot going on with evangelism. Uh, like I said, these different books represent just books that people have given me. They represent different periods of American history and you know, they're all from Engl the English-speaking world. Um, so as we enter into this conversation, I do want to ask about your experience of, with evangelism. But, uh, but to get to know you guys a little bit, I want to ask, how to, tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you become a follower of Jesus? Why don't we start with you, Dylan? Yeah, so um, I am kind of blessed to have grown up in a Bible-believing Christian home. I grew up not too far from Durham in Danville, Virginia, um, where all of my family was around, aunts, uncles, cousins. Um, we had a big family and, and everyone went to the same church. Um, we were there every Sunday, every Wednesday, and, uh, and Sunday nights as well. And so uh, church was always a 
big part of my family. Um, we always uh, prayed before meals, and my parents would pray for me uh, before bed and things like that. So Jesus was always very much presented to me as kind of the only reality. Um, and so while I think that there is a lot um, of benefit uh, for someone to kind of discover Jesus when they're a little older or something like that, Jesus was always presented to me, um, and I really didn't question any of it, didn't have any major, like, no, that just doesn't sound right to me, or, or any of that. So I was actually really blessed uh, to have been surrounded by so many believers um, growing up, and um, so that's that's how I came to know Jesus, how I became a follower of him is kind of that same way. I mean, um, I kind of prayed the, the sinner's prayer earlier on in life and was baptized uh, probably around six or seven, but I remember having really uh, like long conversations with the pastor um, of, of that church uh, back in Danville uh, and him really kind of talking with me like, so when we get baptized, this is what we are saying we believe in, and do you believe this with your whole heart? And um, so yeah, that that's kind of a little bit of my upbringing um, is just grew up in church and, and always believed in Jesus. Um, and it wasn't until probably high school that um, I had a, a youth pastor that really helped me kind of start thinking about the Bible and uh, my faith a little differently, and, and I think that that's when I really started to grow and, and really be discipled past just uh, kind of a knowledge of Jesus, and um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Good to hear. How about you, Liz? A little bit different story, and yeah, just share yeah. share a little bit of your your story. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in a really transient household, um, different branches of the military, um, didn't really stay in one place for more than a couple years at a time um, until coming to North Carolina and ended up going to high school here um, a couple hours east of Durham and then came to UNC for college. Um, and that was my first real exposure to like consistent like Christian community. Um, I was placed in a dorm with like randomly, quote unquote, you can't see my fingers, I'm doing quotation marks. Um, and Providentially. With, I know, yeah, providentially, um, with two girls who knew and loved the Lord and became friends with a lot of the same friends. And yeah, it, it was really a whole year of just watching, observing, noticing differences and how they loved one another in the way that they treated one another. Um, and then it wasn't until that summer, actually, when we were apart that I started asking more questions and reading more books. And um, it's kind of like, honestly, maybe this is why I love Harry Potter, because it was like I woke up to a reality that had been true the whole time. And I just didn't know it. They're like, oh, there's a God. There's truth. Like, there's truth in the world. And there's a God who loves me um, and actually wants me to know him and, and knows me himself. And so, yeah, since then, it's been... A roller coaster of like getting to know him more and um so thankful for the community that he placed me in providentially not randomly so amen so you were about 19 uh, yeah 19 yeah praise god yeah so for those of you out there just continue to love people and sometimes people are just gonna see your example and that's basically one of the proposals that michael frost 
brings up. So just just a background of Frost. He's an older gentleman. Uh, not sure exactly how old he is, but definitely maybe 60s now, 50s or 60s. But he um, has been in Australia and planted church there, been part of evangelism and church planting movements there. And um, there's parts of Australia that are, you know, they're a tad more post-Christian than, say, America was. Um, not everywhere, but definitely. So sometimes we can learn a lot from our brothers and sisters who are doing ministry in other places. Sometimes some of their experiences or things that they had to deal with as the body of Christ might be things that we're going to deal with. So it's it's good to learn from, from brothers and sisters in different places. And as Frost, his proposal is, so here's what I want to, for you guys at home. So basically Frost says, evangelistic missions works effectively when we are living generous living sorry living generous hospitable spirit-led christ-like lives as missionaries in our to our own neighborhoods and when the gifted evangelists in our midst join with us in sharing christ in our own neighborhoods it is not just a good evangelism strategy it's the biblical method and then he goes on to describe how he believes that uh paul throughout his writings affirms that there are gifted evangelists particularly say in ephesians 4 11 through 13 and, he, you know, there's a list of spiritual gifts, and there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So Frost is proposing that Paul believes there are people who have the gift of evangelism, and they're called to do that. And then there are just uh, believers who are to be evangelistic in their general orientation. Um, and then Frost really highlights this passage from Colossians 4 as kind of his way of, of presenting this. He says, Paul clearly places himself in the first category this evangelist this apostle this forefront guy seeing his ministry not only of that as an apostle but also that of as an evangelist but it doesn't appear that he believes that all christians bear the responsibility for the kind of bold proclamation to which he is called note his description of this twofold approach in his letter to the colossians and this is colossians 4. devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that god may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of christ for which i am in chains pray that i may proclaim it clearly as i should be wise in the way you act toward outsiders make the most of every opportunity let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone and then frost goes on and says that's colossians end quote then Frost says, for evangelists, Paul asks for opportunities to share Christ and for the courage to proclaim the gospel clearly. This is in verse 3 and 4. But he, he doesn't suggest that the Colossians pray as much for themselves. Rather, evangelistic believers are to pray for the evangelistic ministry uh, to be wise in their conduct, for evangelistic ministry and opportunity to be wise in their conduct toward outsiders, and to look for an opportunity to answer outsiders' questions when they arise when it comes to the spoken aspect of their ministries evangelists are to proclaim believers are to give answers so frost is using this as an example where paul kind of gives two a two-fold approach to uh evangelism so my question is this for you two um is to yeah first i want you to just share your your background in evangelism and then share with me how you felt when you when you heard Frost say this? 
So start with your background in evangelism, and then as as you think about Frost saying this. So yeah, Dylan, how about you? Uh, yeah. So well, I was going to start by saying that at this um, what are we calling it? A seminar. Seminar uh, at at the missions weekend. Me and Liz were both sitting at the same table, um, and we both had a very similar reaction of like, oh, why did I sign up for this? This is going to make me feel Beforehand. like I. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, like, Danny. Okay. It wasn't because of you. Good to hear. It was like, all right, Danny's doing this thing. Why are we? No. Uh, it was very much like, okay, we're going to go to this thing because we're trying to be good Christians and good Waypoint members. So you signed and, up out of guilt or obligation, uh, maybe. Just and, and so it's like, all right, let's go to this. And it's going to probably make us feel really guilty and make us feel like we did not... Uh, like we're not living a good life for Christ and we're not evangelizing enough. And so uh, just to, if anyone else is thinking that this is going to be a podcast talking about all the things that you need to be doing, um, it's not. And so um, that's just something to kind of keep in mind as far as like hearing all of this. uh, It definitely jumped out to us pretty quickly that it was uh, not what we were thinking we were going to talk about. And so, um, but as far as like, like I said, I grew up in the church. Um, I went on a lot of different uh, mission trips and, and youth conferences and things like that where the primary goal was um, uh, evangelism. Uh, I went to this conference called Dare to Share. Um, I don't know who, uh, I don't know who the main guy is, but um, I do know that propaganda, the, the Christian like rap artist, um, was a big part of it um and the whole conference was all about like this is how you're going to share christ with people and so like part of that was all right for like our outreach time um you're going to be unleashed on this mall in northern virginia and you just go find people and you like tell them about jesus and um is kind of crazy as that was like i did a lot of those things um i also went to liberty university where i got a degree in global studies, which is um, basically a a missions degree or uh, kind of a a global missions degree. And part of my studies were classes like Evangelism 101 uh, and things like that. And so at one point in my life, I would have thought like, oh, Dylan is top-notch evangelist because he goes to all these things that require him to go talk to people in a mall or he is like getting this missions degree and doing a a global internship. Um, But then uh, kind of pride comes before the fall, cut to now in my life where uh, I have a a toddler that takes a lot of my energy and uh, I'm not using that degree um, every day. I'm actually a a real estate agent. And so dealing with uh, all kinds of stuff from, from big transactions to um, helping grow uh, my team and my brain just does not feel like um, I am really energized and, and excited about uh, evangelism and so uh, that kind of brings me back to like how I was feeling coming into this um, the, the the seminar was all right I'm gonna need Jesus to kind of revamp me or I'm gonna feel real guilty for not uh, kind of living up to my end of the deal um, and so I, I guess I, I can let Liz talk a little bit, but just off the top of my head, when I first heard this, I was like, oh, I told myself my entire life, 
um, probably from more of a legalistic mindset, like every believer has to be evangelizing 24-7 if they're being a good believer. Um, and so Frost definitely does not set up um, his, his comments in that way. Um, and then looking at scripture, seeing how Paul talks about different uh, things like in Colossians where it's kind of like, hey, maybe there is some people really gifted in evangelism and there is that time to, to go to the mall and reach out to people and meet someone new and share Jesus with them. And then there's also, there's also another way. And so we'll, we'll talk more about um, that maybe, but yeah. It, and I, just to piggyback off that, I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to hearing your, your thoughts, Liz. But yeah, that list in Ephesians says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And first of all, like most Baptist churches would just avoid the word prophets. Just, be, yeah, we don't we don't want to deal with that word. Apostles yeah. that say like, yeah, a couple of people are called to do that. Only the elite are called to be pastors and teachers, but everyone's called to do evangelism. So it's kind of like it's weird how the church could take the list and then make people feel guilty that they're not like Paul level evangelists when no one's saying the same thing for the these other offices that Paul mentions and these other things. So yeah, and there's like a lot of dynamics there of like. I basically grew up thinking like I had to be all of those things like uh, everything on that list is like a like churchgoer in the south in in my smaller town it was like unless you are a terrible person like a heathen you should definitely think about growing up to become a pastor or a missionary and that's what you should uh, do with your life and um, or like go make a lot of money being like a doctor or something and then give it all and then yeah. give it all away um, So yeah, and the heart behind that isn't bad hear us out We're not saying that but maybe they're missing the point of what what is a faithful life to Christ it definitely takes like? that list and and like you said uses it to Not even guilt trip anyone into anything but kind of set uh, Maybe an unachievable standard uh, and so Liz, that Paul yeah. himself didn't 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 really try to set and so maybe that standard is something that you were also resonating with yeah how about you Liz so I didn't I didn't know hey just for you at home I didn't know that these were the two people (laughs) that before the seminar came in a little anxious all I know is after the seminar that we just had a good dialogue so I so when Grace uh, Dylan's wife came up to me and said hey why don't you make this into a podcast Dylan and uh Dylan and Liz were the first two that Grace and I thought about inviting. So yeah, I had no idea that, that you guys even had that previous you, conversation. You did a great job. And it really wasn't because Danny was speaking that we were like, oh, no. It, it really was. I think there's a lot of baggage around evangelism, I think, for some of us in the church. And I can't imagine. Like, I I literally can't imagine growing up with that much of it. Like, I've only been a believer for, again, since I was 19 years old. I can't do math. Um I'm 31, so do the math. Anyways, so yeah, so like just that long, I feel like there are things that the Lord is still trying to like work on my heart. And so, anyways, yeah, with evangelism, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I think going back to what you guys were saying about like the list and like the different, like Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, like there, there's something I think about our hearts that want to latch on to a standard, right? Like, when we hear 
evangelism or we hear prophecy like in some churches right like it just depends on the context you're in we want to take that and be like okay now there's a standard that i can measure myself up against with and then i feel like either pridefully like i have something to stand on now when i come to the lord or despairing when i'm really bad at it and like feel like i can't come to the lord because wow look at how unfaithful i'm being in this um because we're basing faithfulness off of fruitfulness and that's really dangerous um if we kind of miss like we're getting away from the gospel if we're so focused on the fruit of it he's like no no like abide in me the, and and actually the numerical yeah not yeah. fruit but the the number yeah. like how big it yes, is and how exactly productive yeah. productivity almost fruit, versus fruit is absolutely important um but jesus told us to abide in him and you will bear much fruit like yeah. the fruit is a promise it's he, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, anyways, my yeah, my experience has definitely been a bit of a roller coaster. There have been seasons where it's felt really natural, and and those were seasons when I was really steeped in like gospel-centered community, like Christians doing life with one another and just loving one another well. Um, and then in yeah, and it just felt really natural to share about God's love because I was again like it, it was so real to me at the time. And then. There have been seasons where evangelism has just felt like a burden, like just another way that I wasn't measuring up. Um, and those coincided with seasons where I was really despairing because of my sin or just struggling with like the unmeritedness of God's love. Um, so I think there's a connection there, but we can talk more about that later. Um, yeah, so before we move on, I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. So seasons of life affect this, right? It seems like you guys, when you first got energized about evangelism or whatever you had a little more you were either a high school college student like young adult you had more time you were living in environments where maybe you you had more people you could share with but now both of you have young kids at home and life is different so how do, how do you how have you yeah as as you think about what frost says that evangelism even before even when you had more time if you weren't called to be like Paul if that isn't what God called you to be to be at the forefront of evangelism not just an evangelistic Christian how yeah after you hear Frost what, what do you guys think now like how are how would you analyze how God has got you to this point and yeah just how did you feel when you first heard me read Frost in the seminar read this read his his proposal based on Ephesians and Colossians yeah so I mean I think that there are a lot of people at, at home or in your car or whatever wherever you're listening that are probably feeling a lot of that like this season of my life just can't be you can't be paul right now. i can't be paul uh and right before or the night before we had the seminar we uh, heard from like all of the different uh missionaries whether it was uh oh, people, the celebration night on friday yeah, night where, yeah where we're hearing like these people are in this part of the world and these people are getting ready to to go do this and bring their small kids to this country that's like whoa no that's like that's crazy town and so like that's what we were hearing first night and it, it's very easy for me to compare to to my friend that just moved to London and and how he's just living his life for Jesus and getting into cars with strangers and telling them about Jesus. And it's like, whoa, I'm not doing that. Um, and I think that listening to this was definitely like, 
oh, I can sit back a little bit and like listen and take this in because I've wanted someone for a while, not not to say that I, maybe I haven't been listening, uh, but I've wanted someone to tell me like, maybe in this season, this is not what I need you to do. These aren't the doors that God has opened for exactly. you. He's and opened so, other doors. And- yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, uh, another man Liz and I just have so much in common um not only do we have like kids that are similar age and things like that but also we both used to live in Oak Creek um kind of at the height of half of the waypoint population living in Oak Creek Oak Creek is a local neighborhood complex that a lot of waypoint people chose to live at just to do intentional living intentional ministry exactly and so when you come from uh kind of that community where all your really good uh, Christian friends live right next door and you're all meeting different people and meeting different needs and having fun and um, doing a lot of different activities with kids and soccer clubs and things like that. It just feels, it's easy when you like go to bed at night to say like, I evangelized in this way or this way, or I met this amount of people. I'm a good Christian now. And, and I, I did it. And then to go to where it's like, I just changed diapers and did <laughs> potty training and I was frustrated the whole time. Like it's much harder in that in this season of life to kind of lay lay my head down and be like, all right, I did it. God God is proud of me today. It's much uh harder, I think. And so it just shows, like you said, kind of the church in general or Christians in general, um taking this list of of uh prophets and uh, apostles and and making much of kind of this like idea of this perfect Christian. Uh, And then in certain seasons when, like you said, you're just not living up and whether that's you struggling with sin or just struggling with time management and things like that, it's very easy to get discouraged and tell yourself you're not doing enough for the Lord. Um, Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So when you're describing that kind of transitioning from like this, what what felt like super fruitful time or just feeling like oh we're being we're doing a lot right now the picture of pruning came to my mind of like I think the Lord in his mercy sometimes takes us through seasons where we're just not gonna see as much maybe on the outside what like what we would define as like oh this is what a good Christian looks like I think he might be challenging us to say like where is your righteousness is it in what you're doing like when we lay our heads down at night can I am I counting off the things that I did or is he pruning some of those things to say, I want you to lay your head down at night and be like, thank you, Jesus, for your righteousness. Thank you for for doing what I couldn't do on my behalf. I think sometimes we can be so focused on evangelism that, or even just like, again, like just works in general that we neglect and forget the beauty of the thing that we're preaching, like the beauty of the gospel. Like if the gospel is not good news to me, I'm not going to be sharing that with other people. Like if the gospel is you were saved and now you have to do all these things to ensure that you still have a place in the family, that's not good news to me or anyone. But if the gospel is I have a place in this family no matter what based on someone else, like because he's loving, not because I'm lovable, he, he has made me lovable, right? Um, then I, out of that like joy and out of that relationship, I'm going to share him with others. I'm going to still sing his praises when I'm potty training my kid, which I haven't started yet. So at least you're doing that um, when I'm changing diapers. Like, like I think the challenge for me the past, I mean, COVID year, but even since like living in Oak Creek and things, um, that 
thing that comes to my mind is, am I finding contentment in my calling or am I finding contentment in the one who called me, um, in Jesus himself? So that's been a helpful distinguisher for me. Yeah, and I think that kind of segues uh, to kind of some other things that we talk about uh, or talked about in this seminar um, of just how really what what we should be focusing on, like you said, is Jesus and that good news. And if we're not living in that good news ourselves, we're not going to be fueled up to go tell someone else about it. And so uh, I know that the the next page in our notes is kind of talking about this, but there is jump on this, ahead, man. This idea that Frost presents that's kind of like, hey, it's more about how you live, and if you are living in in the gospel, if you are living in a place where at night you're not even resting your head on anything but the Lord and His goodness, like you said, um, then then that life, that contentment in uh, the one who called you, not not really waking up and and worrying about what you're going to do for that day, but instead just knowing who you're going to do it for, is ultimately going to bring about a, like we we'll talk a little bit more about a, a lifestyle that is going to, um, like you said, turn you into an uh, evangelistic Christian instead of just an evangelist. So Frost really likes to highlight this passage from you know first. Colossians 4 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. What if that was the start of the average Christian's evangelistic effort? Like devoting yourself to be prayer, being watchful and thankful, and then praying for the gifted evangelist. I are you are you trying to say that us Christians who uh, focus on everything else could maybe just talk to the Lord and then maybe uh, <laughs> yeah. that would be a better outcome? I, yeah. I think so. Yes. I mean, just it, it, we live in a high productivity area. We right. live in a highly academic area. We, you know, we we achieve a lot. Like the the triangle is just a high high productivity, high academic, high. You know, my self-worth is in my performance. And I think that that spills over into our Christian life. And I think it, it, every group of Christians, every we all have blind spots. And normally our blind spots are the personality, the culture, you know, the, the things that God raises us up in, which is actually the theme of the previous two podcasts. And I, I think one of the blind spots of this group of people that we, that we love, that we're called to reach, that we're called to be a part of, is that this achievement mentality seeps into, you know, we hear, oh, I can do this and this. If I share with two people every month for the rest of my life, and they share with two people, and they share with two people, and they share with two people, the whole world will be reached in like three years. What do you sound like? You sound like if I went to a business, the business school, they would say the same thing about selling products. And we are not, selling a product we can glean from sales pitches but we are not selling a product we are giving people hope giving people life giving people jesus so maybe if we i think what frost is trying to do is for the average believer say say devote yourselves to prayer be watchful and thankful and and wait for these opportunities but then pray that god will raise up evangelists who are gifted in this and maybe some people even for a season that was your calling but now because of if if you have children pretty much for that season they're your your main priority even if you're a pastor 
your children are a priority over your church. I would argue that I can find multiple places in scripture that say that. And my kids are a higher priority than all of you as a church. I mean, you guys are my brothers and sisters and my children in Christ. But so, so yeah, so, so that's Frost's proposal. Any other thoughts? We're going we're gonna to go into his, his, uh, his use of 1 Peter 3. But any other thoughts before we move on on this? Like just even how you felt when, when, you, when I presented this that day. Like you came in thinking that, that it was just going to be some techniques, but the technique is prayer, watchfulness, and just seeing what God will do and, and saying that maybe you're not called to be the front and center evangelist like Paul or Billy Graham was. Yeah, I think hearing Frost's like, clarification on that and also you elaborating on it in the seminar, I think it was helpful to like to realize like, okay, it's okay that not every one of us is going to be gifted in this. Um, and it also frees me then to, instead of being so caught up in looking at myself and like comparing, it frees me then to be thankful for my brother or sister who is gifted in it. And it also humbles me enough to be able to say, okay, I can learn from this person and not worry if I don't reach the level that they're at with this. Like, does that make sense? Like, it's yeah. like, Okay, I, I can, because it does say, like, they are given as a gift to the church, like, for the building up, for the equipping of the saints um, in works of service. And so it's not that we, like, want, like, it's not that I can't learn anything from them, but I think by recognizing that it's, we just are different, like, God's gifted us differently actually frees me to be able to receive from them. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of just along that point, um, it also says be watchful and so I think that if we take ourselves a little bit more out of that equation comparing ourselves to maybe what other believers are doing in in different parts of the world or even down the road uh, other members of this church and instead we just look for opportunities where we're at Mm -hmm. uh, whether that is uh, at the park with your kid or whether that is uh, showing homes to, to people I I have to be more, I need to be less looking at myself and more looking outward. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that that is just something that really struck me, even just now while reading this Colossians verse again, is not only am I, I could do a lot better with prayer, but I could definitely be much more watchful uh, and look out uh, at people around me instead of looking at myself as much as I do. Um, and it seems like the, even the thankful is kind of like your example where you heard about you know, a friend who's in London now who is called to that, frontline evangelism. That's what God's called him to. You know, well, and you, you know, and, But can you be thankful that God called him to that and then ask God, you know, if that's not your gift, then that's okay. Like, how how can we say, okay, recognize we're all part of the body? A lot of people would say my gift isn't to be a teacher or a pastor, but so many Christians walk around and say, man, I, if I'm not Billy Graham level or my this this expectation I set for myself, maybe I, I'm just I'm just falling short. So I love what you said, Liz. Yeah, like if we believe the gospel, if the good news is transforming us every day, we won't. We, we won't live in the fear that we're falling short. We'll be like, God, no, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your gospel so that I can overflow and, and do things like evangelism and love my neighbor. Yeah, so any, 
So let, let me let me say Frost's next point, and then I want to I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So he he goes on and he says, while evangelism is an essential gifting for all churches, it isn't a gifting given to every believer. He's talking about the gift of evangelism. Believers, as noted, were to pray like crazy and to conduct themselves in word and deed in such a way as to provide unbelievers to question their beliefs and enter into an evangelistic dialogue. And he says that, that Paul talks about this in, in Colossians, and then Peter agrees with this statement. And Liz, I would say this kind of lines up with your own story, and I want to hear you share a little more about even those times in the dorms as you're watching unbelievers live this type of life that was attractive to you. I mean, believers, you as an unbeliever, watching okay. believers live this life. And then in, in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ will be ashamed of their slander. And then Frost goes on to say, in other words, the biblical model for, le for leaders to identify, equip, and mobilize gifted evangelists who then take a leadership responsibility in the church's evangelism and inspire all believers to live what he calls questionable lives. If all believers are leading the kind of lives that evoke questions from their friends, then opportunities for sharing faith abound and chances for the gifted evangelist to boldly proclaim are increased. In brief, our task is to surprise the world. So what are your thoughts on this and maybe even from your own experience or, yeah. Yeah, um, so I think, so for my friends, I'm trying to think, so back to college, um, looking at this first Peter passage, I think, so taking a step back, I think it's really helpful that Frost is seeking to like break us out of a rigid definition or like idea of what evangelism looks like um, or has to look like for every believer. Um, I think my friends though, and in this passage, like Peter's just kind of assuming that they are living questionable lives um, and he's admonishing them to be prepared to give an answer, the reason for the hope that they have. Um, so I would argue that the focus is more on the reason for the hope that we have. Like, I don't think it's maybe good for us to switch from, okay, we're going to be like super methodical about this. Like, okay, our new strategy is live questionable lives. Like, I think, I think the answer is we have to be focused on the reason for the hope that we have, right? And I think that's so what my So not friends, replacing one kind of legalistic yeah, method with another exactly, legalistic method. Exactly. As good as it sounds, I think mm -hmm. Frost is really good at describing what an evangelistic Christian looks like. like, And I think we're going to get into the habits of that too. And I think they're helpful as descriptives, but we can't take the descriptions and be like, okay, and so now this is a new set of things I'm going to do. Like it's not a prescriptive thing, if that makes sense. Amen. So, That's why we brought you on this podcast. Okay, thanks. Um, a total shout out to Trace because he was the one that gave me those like descriptive, prescriptive words. I was like, That's a really helpful way to think about this. Um, because, yeah, when, anyways, my friends they weren't thinking in their heads, how can I live a life that makes Liz question Christianity? You know, they just, I think sometimes you can be so immersed in like church and in like gospel community that, that you actually can forget how different that is from the rest of the world. Like I came in and my friends were very different. They didn't need each, I mean, they loved each other, but they didn't like, you know, they were forgiving towards one another. They didn't need each other. They weren't like, um, yeah, to, I don't know. Anyways, it's just very different types of friendships that made me really question, yeah, like, where are they, like, why are they like this? You know, what is the common thread here? Um, I've never had friends like this before, and it's so weird to me. 
um, and so great at the same time. So anyways, yeah, I'd say that's my maybe two cents on that of like, I don't want us to shift to another extreme. Just create another method that you can yeah. feel guilty of if yeah. you're not doing. Exactly. So I but really... But if the method is just living the gospel, like enjoying yeah. Christ each day, tr- at yeah. waking up each day, praying for yeah. evangelistic opportunities, but also praying for your own holiness and your own... Yes. That you, as you're filled with the Spirit, that other people would notice it and, yeah. and be excited about God and what God's doing. Yeah. It's like we have this amazing treasure and we like think that, okay, my job is to get everyone else to partake in this, Christ himself, right? But then we never actually enjoy him ourselves in the pursuit of that. Like that's just not what he's called us to like. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. As, as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh, also I want to make sure to tell everyone, don't go like too far into the other way. So I'm glad that we're yeah. on the same page. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think that something that is also really sticking with me is just kind of um, this idea of there is, we don't want to overcompensate and we don't want to start living a very legalistic or a very like, uh, I have to be living in such a questionable way all the time because that's, that's pressure that you just can't put on yourself. And you're also, again, not really giving the Lord room to work uh, because you're looking more at what you're doing. But I do think that it is something that um, challenges me to think of the word questionable and, and really kind of take stock of my own day, take stock of my week and and look for areas that if someone were to question my hope in those moments, are they gonna are they even gonna question it? Am I yeah. living in a way that does um, glorify God and and maybe it's something very quiet and and humble uh maybe it's just the way that i interact with uh a stranger or or someone that i know really really well but so i think it is good though um not to lose sight of um there there there's always a good opportunity to take kind of stock in um what areas of your life are you living more questionable and uh what areas of your life would actually kind of like you said liz like I'm sure they were not saying like, oh, we're not going to have conflict. We're going to forgive each other right. so that Liz will see that we... So that right. Liz will want to be a Christian. Yeah. But but then also just us uh, and then you, the listener, like take stock for a minute and say, am I forgiving most of the time? Like, If my coworkers saw my actions, would they yeah. think, wow, there's something different about me and than, than, exactly. the, than, I think, the other, than everybody else? I think that there's so much goodness in this word questionable to to not put all your sock in living a questionable uh life but at the same time using it as almost a tool yeah uh, every day to to ask yourself did i did i live differently because of christ today yeah Um, yeah so like helpful indicators kind of like if we're going back to like a tree analogy it's like okay is there fruit here if there's not fruit here i don't try to staple I think Lawrence uses this metaphor sometimes of like, if there are no flowers on the rose bush, do I go and I staple flowers on it? Like, no, like you look at the root, you're like, okay, so something is going on here and we need to go back to the Lord, right? Like, yeah, if he's the one that's going to be bearing fruit through us, then yeah, being able to use that questionable lives picture as like a good indicator of, okay, am I even believing the gospel for myself right now? Um and letting it transform me, letting Jesus transform me, um, and, and going to him with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, you guys have given us so much to think about. So for us, the ba- the main, the chapter we just read is the intro. His main thing in the book is to create a, another method. And some people would say, well, he's just creating a new legalism or whatever. But he, obviously, he's just saying that this is what worked for him and his community. And and he has these five habits. He says, bless, eat, listen, learn, send. And in bless, you ask the question, whom did I bless this week? So he just thinks that it's from you know the teachings of Jesus throughout the Old and New Testament is that we are called to be light, salt and light in the community. So if you want to bless people, like am I thinking about how, how can I bless the people that I interact with in the week? And we, we're a numbers productivity oriented group. So even it doesn't mean that there has to be fruit from this. It just means that right. we just do it. We do it because it's right, because right. we represent Christ, because God blessed us. We can bless others. God loved us. We can love others, even if we don't get something back. And we don't know. Maybe we bless someone for weeks and weeks and weeks and they don't even respond or they're still mean to us. And then so another believer shares with them later and they come to Christ. We don't know what seeds will be planted. We just know we're called to be faithful. And it doesn't say how many people did I bless or did I bless five people? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, taking those numbers kind of out. Yeah. yeah. And then it says, whom did I eat with this week? Frost is really big on eating with people. So he's like... Very rarely does someone care about the Jesus that you know if you've never sat down and had a meal with them. So he would probably say just walking up to random people, especially in a post-Christian world in the mall, is probably pre-Christian America. When, when not post-Christian, when when America, when the average American that you walked up to in the mall went to VBS as a kid and probably went to church, you know, in the 80s, 70s. Yeah, you weren't really sharing Christ with an agnostic you were kind of bringing something, someone back to something that they had already experienced. The average American was part of a church in their childhood up until about 15, 20 years ago. Now there are genera- there's a whole generation of kids and, and adults even who, like, if you've never had a meal with them, if you've never had some kind of intimate dialogue with them, how can you, like, why would they want to know about this thing in your life? So he, So he thinks that eating with or the equivalent of eating with someone is is the start of this dialogue which takes a lot of time which means you're not going to have time to if you have kids and you're busy you might be able to eat with one outside person a month and that's okay uh then he goes on and says listen what did i hear from the holy spirit this week about evangelism about loving others about praying for others uh learn what did i learn or relearn about jesus this week going back to what you you said liz like if the good news isn't good news to us, how are we gonna? How is it gonna overflow out of us to others? Then it becomes formulaic and like a sales pitch, you know, Dylan. I'm sure we could train some really good real estate agents, and they could give a great pitch for Christ. But that's that's not the goal. The goal isn't the pitch. The goal is that we're bringing people into this beautiful relationship with Christ in this community. Um, and then finally, he says, sent. How did I alter others toward the reign of Christ this week? So he's saying that the scent doesn't mean we have to be like Paul or Billy Graham, but just the questionable lives we live where people are like, wow, there is another kingdom. There's an alternative kingdom to the kingdom of this world. And my actions, my words, my prayers, something God is allowing me to, to do that. So that's, that's Frost's proposal. Uh, so as, as you guys have... 
I think the seminar was five, five, six weeks ago. As you process, what has God taught you since then? Yeah, like what have, or any, any things that you haven't shared already? That you, yeah, just kind of want. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think I remember the these five habits. Um, I think that I had to run to the children's wing to uh, help settle my toddler during this See? part. God had but, a plan um, for you. God had a plan for you. But so. so I'm looking at these again now and um, just thinking through them. I again, I just want to caution everyone. You can quickly put this on a to do list. You can quickly try to quantify it. I was just thinking uh, how easy it would be to fall into the temptation of, I can only have people over for a meal when I'm going to cook my best dish. Uh, no, spaghetti is probably just fine for everyone. Uh, is, and so, the children can cook some mean dish. spaghetti. <laughs> what if spaghetti is your best dish? <laughs> Go for it then. Uh, peanut butter and jelly. Um, <laughs> if that's your best dish, good. Bless your heart. Um, and so just it could get really easy for me and, and I'm guessing for other people to sink back into what am I doing? How am I doing this? Because if I do more, more people will come to know Christ and God will love me more. Uh, and so it's just something um, that I'm just continually pushing back on that when I see questions like this or when I see uh, kind of habits like this it's very easy to fall into the mindset of i i need to have these habits every single week but no maybe it is just your season or your week to learn uh maybe it is if at all possible i am going to read a story from the bible and try to memorize it try to try to think on it for a while so that if my character or my hope is questioned Maybe, maybe I'm able to share this down the road. Um, or maybe for, for us with young kids or uh, in different seasons of life, maybe it is, look, I'm going to put a lot of time into inviting this person over for a meal, and I'm going to make sure that my family is uh, enjoying it and this person is enjoying it so that we can create relationship in a nice, easy environment. Um, but at the same time, I'm not putting that on myself to be the the mega host that knows exactly when to transition to the the gospel presentation of the meal mm-hmm. uh, but instead it's i'm going to bathe this thing in prayer i'm going to set up my home in a way that i know is going to be comfortable for everyone here i'm going to invite them at a time that's convenient or even just telling like setting the appropriate expectation of hey i'm going to invite you into my mess it's spaghetti. It's gonna be messy with the kids. Some of it might hit the wall, might hit you. Just hang with us because we really just want to get to know you, and we we want to bless your family, or, or we want to uh, we just want to know what what brought you to the triangle, or, or what brought you to this neighborhood. And so, um, I just think that these are such good again guidelines. Make sure that they're not. Um, don't don't prescribe them to yourself. Instead, just see these as descriptions of a life that Jesus is calling us to, um, to ultimately live an evangelistic Christian life, um, listening and, and learning from others and the Holy Spirit, but then also putting some action to it to, to bless people and, and to eat with them and um, ultimately send them towards Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I think 
for me, I would love to see these maybe phrased in terms of like, like I want to turn these into a prayer of like, Lord, like help me bless someone this week. Um, help me like invite someone over this week to have a meal with. Um, help me to actually listen and hear from you this week, Holy Spirit. Um, help me to learn more about you, Jesus. And then, yeah, I just pray that you would use me towards altering others in your reign. And um, yeah, it, it's so, maybe y'all, maybe y'all can do a theology podcast on this. I think sometimes I can kick back a lot against commands because my flesh, I know what my flesh does. It takes those commands and it turns it into an opportunity to like have some stake in this, right? Mm-hmm. And but like there are still commands from Christ. Like Paul still gives us a lot of impar- like a lot of commands in his letters. And so how do we as believers then relate to them? I, I think that we live in the tension. Exactly. Right? There's as, tension. As and a so, famous wait, is Lawrence yeah, here? <laughs> I know. Where is he? Is he hiding? Um yeah, I think that it really comes back to the heart of am I obeying in order to be accepted or am I seeking to obey because I've already been accepted? Um, and I think that as, if we are rooted in the gospel, that these, I, I won't kick back against commands as much. I won't be as afraid and threatened by them because I, I will get threatened by them if you bring them up, mm-hmm. right? But when I'm centered on like God's love for me, based on Christ and Christ alone, then I can hear these and be like, all right, if I fall on my face, I fall on my face, but I'm still a beloved child of God. Like, And I can pursue holiness and not be afraid when I, again, stumble and like fall on my face or whatever. But um, yeah, just remembering like God, God's sovereign over this and he's gonna, he's gonna help us grow in evangelism in this area, so. Yeah, and I hope this was encouraging to all of you out there and we're, we're still learning. And these books are, like I said, I mentioned 12 books at the beginning that are all... I've not read any of them. That are all to help, you know, some of them were written 60 years ago, but they're all to help us analyze. And sometimes people write books because they're good at it. Sometimes they write books out of failure. And But we're, as, as brothers and sisters, we learn, we glean. I think Frost has some ideas that maybe help us. And, you know, this isn't the end-all book. And... I just want to share at Waypoint, we have a lot of families with young kids. And right now, the season of life that God has you in is to love your young children. There may be opportunities for you to build some relationships with some families with other young kids because you can have a conversation with kids screaming and they don't care because their kids are screaming just yeah. as loud as yours. If you invite your single neighbor who's never been married, has never had kids over, it might be a little chaotic. Maybe they love kids, maybe they don't. I don't, I don't know. But just if let's be watchful let's be prayerful let's know that there are gifted evangelists let's be available but let the burden isn't on us god is going to build his kingdom he is going to save his people yes he uses his church and he uses us but if paul wasn't that worried about it i don't know why we add these we extra burdens on ourselves as i mean we're we're go-getters here in the triangle and we want to do right for Christ's kingdom, and we we hear something, and we and we and we just jump on it, and we, we want to see people come to Christ. We want to see His name proclaimed and Him worship, and and we're going to do that together. But let's remember to to put it in perspective and live faithful lives, and in that faithfulness, we'll see fruitfulness. So thanks, uh, Dylan. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Yeah. And uh, God is good. And we're we're going to continue to do evangelism for a long time here at Waypoint, as long as we exist. So 
We're all in this together, as uh, High School Musical says, right? Right, Dylan? You can start singing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Just singing it now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Y'all have a great week. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Dylan. Bye, y'all.